There's no way that I could have known 
morning, San Francisco. <sighs> you beautiful, sweet, foggy city by the bay. Good morning. Good morning to you, San Francisco. Yeah. What a good foggy day. It is. We are right here at the edge of the continent on Rollover Easy in beautiful San Francisco, California, city, county, and sometimes state of mind. The low-hanging fog <laughs> just over top coating the blue sky above it as it's gently peeking out from the corners and crevasses near the horizon on this fine Thursday morning. And look at this. I see a baby fairy coming through the mist from Treasure Island. Come here, baby fairy! <laughs> baby fairy, come here. It is. It's coming right at us. It is. Uh, we got a great show today. Fantastic program. Oh my gosh. Um, we're down here at the fairy building right yep, now. Yep, yep. But we are headed up. We are. Yeah, we are headed up. Uh, we're going to the top of Telegraph Hill, Coit Tower, to see mm -hmm. one of our favorite guests. Yes. John Law. Yeah, John Law, Coit Tower, looking to get in some trouble in North Beach today, walking around, <laughs> cruising, going on some adventures. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, but very excited to meet John at such an iconic place, which, mm -hmm. by the way, it is a wonderful thing to say to somebody in an email, I'll just meet you at Coit Tower. <laughs> Do that more often, and uh, it'll be a good meeting, guaranteed. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, goodness. But uh, we are down here, and you are wherever you are, hopefully under the covers. Hopefully your cat is making you coffee. Hopefully the dog has started on some cinnamon rolls. Mm. Maybe you've mm. got a parrot that makes granola. <laughs> I don't know. But we hope that wherever you are, you're waking up on this Thursday real nice and smooth and relaxed, as it is a beautiful San Francisco day, and we are so honored to be sharing it with you. Yeah, thanks for starting your Thursday with us. Yep. Um, should we let the folks know what the weather's going to be like? Absolutely. Um, aside from foggy, I, it's been a while since I've seen the fog. This one already, this was a... Uh, it was coming off already? Day, yeah, plus we're going to we're, we're over here uh, making radio with all sorts of attachments. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, we're like, you know what we could do more of is have more things to have to keep track of and they're already falling apart even so, though we have moved nowhere the early bird has a vest now that has a coffee mug hanging off it you got dog treats in that pocket you got an extra mic on it is this how you feel all the time it feels great right? it really does <laughs> all right san francisco currently it is 50 degrees outside and it feels like 50 as well mm -hmm. looking at a high today of 61 degrees and a low tonight of 47. Uh, as we look towards the weekend, a uh, little bit of clouds tomorrow. Super sunny on Saturday, though. Love it. Saturday's going to be nice. Love it. 69 degrees. Nice. <laughs> it sounds like a wonderful day. Nice and sunny. I love it. Uh, Sunday and Monday, a little bit of rain. Not as much as we've had, though. And then next week, uh, looking like a little bit of sun again before next uh weekend looks like we're getting a lot more rain again so okay. happy plants happy plants yeah, that's what i'm thinking about <laughs> think about how happy bernal is every time it rains bernal's like yay now every time bernal rains actually see so i can get the soundboard up and running every time bernal rains it says to itself <laughs> those are plants by the way those are bernal small plants rains. I like it. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> the sunrise today was at 6.52 a.m. and the sunset. Hopefully 9.15 p.m. Oh, you're, you're close. You're close. I'm going to guess it is at 5.53. Oof. 
give Earth slightly more credit, 556. Ooh, nice. Yeah. Excellent. Not bad, right? All right, we're, next week it's gonna be past six o'clock. <gasps> I think you're right. You've made it, San Francisco. Wake it up from the winter. <laughs> Uh, high tide today is at 9.51 a.m. right now. It is rising. Got a low tide if you want to get up to the beach. It's, uh, it's looking pretty good right now, though, out here. Yeah, it's looking good. Before we raise this building up seven feet into the sky. <laughs> <laughs> and the low tide today, the time they won't have to worry about that, is going to be at 4.41 p.m. Hey, look at that. We got a patch of blue over there. Yeah, you know the uh, the blue sky is peeking its uh, peeking its way past all of this uh, low hanging fog, and it is low hanging fog fog as we stare across the bay towards the uh, inimitable Yerba Buena Island. You cannot see the top of Yerba Buena Island. No, no, and that's not a tall island. Uh, and it's not just because that art piece points to infinity and then just disappears. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's foggy out there. Also, we're here with the Golden Gate Ferry, the Sonoma, which ironically does not go to Sonoma County. <laughs> Let's change that. Let's change again. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, what is a jam that you have for the people starting off their Thursday mornings? Uh, so, let's think of some Sylvanesso. Ooh, okay. A little coffee. Let's do it. All right. San Francisco will be back in a flash. Oh, we're at Rollover Easy on socials. We, we got a second. Let's take a moment. Well, Rollover Easy on socials. Let us know where you're chiming in this morning, where you're waking up and starting your day. Two. It's a dance we know the moves. The bow, the dip, the woo. Though the words are true. The state is old news. Like a name I remember hearing Wild winters Warm coffee Mom's gone Do he love me Blazing summer Cold coffee Baby's gone Do he love me Wrap me In your arms I can't feel it burn Rock me in your arms I can't feel it burn
Thursday morning. I love a song called Coffee. <laughs> I love that you have your mic positioned that way while you're pouring coffee. <laughs> San Francisco, we are continuing to try to push the bounds of radio here on Rollover Easy. <laughs> Uh, and I think we're succeeding. I got to get a photo of you. This is too much. <laughs> Pour this so I get it on the mic here. Oh, yeah. Look at those coffee sounds. All right, Sequoia, give me your mug here. All right. I like that we have the same exact mug today. We do. We got it as a gift uh, a while back and have continued to use it because of its durability. And it's uh, fortitude. <laughs> That's right, this mug has fortitude. That it does. A good mug has fortitude. The Golden Gate National Parks Conservancy mug. It also has a carabiner for a handle, which is great. Ooh, nice. Do you think the uh, people of San Francisco are ready to drink some coffee? I hope so. San Francisco, let's, get, let's take a sip of coffee together on the count of three. Let's do it. All right, ready? One, two, and... Oh, mm. this is Ooh. incredible. Where is this? Wow. <sighs> Excellent. Red Bay. Should we just follow in line with these other people that are all on coffee walks, by the way? <laughs> we, just keep, we just circle the building with them? Let's, let's do it. All right, let's go. Um, this is good coffee. Red Bay, making it happen. That it is. All right, let me switch out my uh, mug. That and then put my thermos into the pocket that the microphone was in. So the early bird is wearing both a cargo jacket and a cargo vest, which is working really well for you this morning. You I'm ready a for a, in there. I'm ready for a lot of cargo. So you got three mics on you right now. Mm -hmm. You've got a carafe of cafe. Uh-huh. You've got dog treats. Yep. Sense of adventure. Yep. Headphones. Yep. But you don't also have a mug in your hand, do you? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, love it. Uh, I've never really done this like loop around the building, but I do see people doing it all the time. Just sort of walk. So yeah, so we're walking now to the, I guess you'd say to the north. Uh, good morning to my mom, I guess, who's texting me. Uh, walk around to the north and then we're going to head back west. No, excuse me. We're heading, yeah, we're heading north right now. Yeah. Now we're going to head east and then south and then mm -hmm. west. No, now we're heading west. Then we're going to head west and then we're going to go north <laughs> and then we're going to go up and then we're going to go backwards. Mm -hmm. And then down. I <sighs> uh, think we'll see any of these wild parrots of Telegraph Hill. As uh, Judy Irving was describing to us, this park straight across from the ferry building is an excellent place to see them. Yeah, so Sue Beerman Park right here is one of their roosting spots. I think it's where they sleep at night, right? I see what appears to be a very large bird of prey in one of the uh, trees up there. I was noticing that that one too. Right. Maybe, maybe that's why they're not around? Perhaps. Oh, <laughs> uh, onto the Embarcadero now. Oh, beautiful. Well, San Francisco, wherever you're starting off your Thursday morning, we hope that it's wonderful. We hope that it's uh, it's going well and that your coffee is nice and hot. And again, maybe your cat made it for you. <laughs> That's the dream, right? A cat that makes coffee. It is. Who do you think the first person was to tweet, to toot, to Ooh. otherwise say hello and good morning to us? But this morning... Was it Thomas Rogers? It was Jeff Potzinger. Jeff! Hello, Jeff. Jeff says, good morning. Sends in a beautiful shot of sunrise looking over the bay. 
As uh, I feel like there's a, maybe a cron set up to take these photos right at sun, sunrise. It's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. Should we grab a st uh, standstill right over here? Let's do it. You're right. We should stand still for a moment. We're moving. Roll over as he's on the move. <laughs> uh, Jeff, beautiful shot this morning. The shot, which we're going to retoot, which we're also going to try to find a new verb, is uh, d depicts a beautiful bit of fog on the bay, but then just underneath it, sneaking, sneaking through is that sunlight we were describing earlier, this right behind this cloud cover. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to blow off pretty soon here. It feels like uh, that sort of day. I agree with you. It feels like it's going to happen pretty soon. Um, some other folks hanging out with us this morning. Lisa Mond. Hello! Hello, Lisa. Good morning, Lisa. Says, with Rollo Rizzi climbing stairs and trudging along San Francisco streets on their way to magnificent Coit Tower. Can't wait to hear from author, culture maven, John Law. We're sharing a cuppa adjacent to scroll painting by B. Hutch, the F train hustle. And look at that. Wow, yeah, I'm looking beautiful. Uh, it's got some Koi Tower in it. I love it. Uh, B. Hutch's artwork is so, you know, it's, it's accessible, yet it also is something that allows you to kind of wander and wander a little bit in your mind. And mm -hmm. I love that combination. I encourage you to put some of it up in your kitchen. 100%. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or your office. Yeah. Or wherever, wherever fine art is hung. <laughs> it also works well on a shirt, which you can give away as a gift. That's true, too. Yeah. Get you some B. Hutch in your life. <laughs> Absolutely love it. Uh, so you mentioned Thomas earlier. Thomas does say hello. <laughs> Thomas says, good morning from down on the peninsula and sends in a shot for us on this fine Thursday morning of a cup of coffee uh, and it looks like a railroad crossing. So Thomas Ooh. on his way to a Thursday morning work. Nice. Good morning, Thomas. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, you know, it's maybe a little bit early to do this on a Thursday morning, but uh, we could also stop by one of the best hotel bars in San Francisco if you Ooh, wanted to. Yeah, our friend Adrian Spinelli wrote about that, yeah? Exactly, in the InsideHook.com, titled The Best Hotel Bars in San Francisco, No Room Key Required. So, uh, before the show started this morning, you asked me if I knew Spinelli was writing this because uh, we were talking about hotel bars last week. Mm -hmm. And not only did I not know about this, <laughs> but I'm offended that Spinelli did not take us out. Spinelli, holler at us. We're great at hotel bars. We're allowed in all of them these days. <laughs> Just want to get out now. ahead of that. We're allowed in all of them. Don't believe the hype. Don't believe what you heard out there. I don't read the tabloids. You shouldn't either. Roll over easy. 100% of the hotels in San Francisco allowed into. Does San Francisco have a tabloid? Ooh, good question. <laughs> the lifting fog? Yeah, like... What, what the seagull dragged in? <laughs> What's our local rag? <laughs> I want something that I can pick up at a convenience store that has sensationalized headlines. Absolutely. It's sold right next to uh, where you check out. Oh, gosh. I would absolutely buy that in a heartbeat. Right? That's got to be a zine somewhere. Someone must have done that. <laughs> you know who's probably done that? John Law has probably done John that. John Law probably has. We'll, we'll ask. We'll ask. It's true. Uh, <laughs> should we keep, uh, keep strolling? Yeah, let's do it. Cool. Uh, taking a walk now along the Embarcadero. We see folks on scooter, by bike, walking, jogging. Someone was sprinting by us earlier. 
It's a, it's a Thursday morning. People are getting out and active mm -hmm. as mm -hmm. the city is waking up ever so and it's ever so nicely this morning. The only thing not awake yet is the Luxury Dog Boutique. Luxury our... Dog Boutique. Still closed this morning. Have you been over there before? I do let's not go, have... Come uh, on, let's go check out the Luxury Dog Boutique that took over the old broadcasting spot for BFF.FM. It is The name of it is Luxury Dog Boutique. You can get luxury dog treats like turkey and chicken, lamb and beef. You can buy a pillow. You can buy a candle for your dog if that's your thing. The meatballs sadly have no price. You can buy a fake bottle of bubbly. That's a chew toy for your dog. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Some of these snacks look delicious. Oh, absolutely. Like, I understand why you're a luxury dog if you get to eat this. Totally. Yeah. You think the dog is luxury and then eats this? Or do you think that eating this turns you into a luxury dog? Oh, wow. Uh, probably the latter. I think yeah. eat, all dogs are, are dogs until they turn into luxury dogs. I'd be willing to risk it. I'd try one of those biscuits to see if I turn into a luxury dog. <laughs> well, I, I'm here for it, but it's going to be hard to do the radio show with you if you just keep woofing. <laughs> I'm really going to go after those dog treats in your pocket. <laughs> Hello goes out to Soldier this morning who says, Good morning, Rollover Easy. Sends in a shot of prepping some coffee on this fine Thursday morning from the countertop of his abode. Soldier looks great. Yeah. Do you, you want to go? Where do you want to go? Uh, let's keep walking around. Let's keep doing the loop. I okay. kind of want to go by these um, food trucks that are setting up over here. Okay. Let's see what we got. Uh, we were talking about parrots earlier. Soldier's got a whole family of parrots that live outside of his apartment, I believe. Oh, what a dream. You think he names them? Great question. Right. I feel like the people that name birds have like reached the next level of bird watching, mm, where they like sure. they really know their birds. Absolutely. Not just birds as the type of bird, but like I know that individual bird. That's Greg. <laughs> Greg the bird. I read all about it in our weekly rag. <laughs> uh, I like uh, I like birds because I consider them to be a pet for your pet. You oh know? yeah. You know, get your pet a pet. Put yeah. a bird feeder outside your window. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So wait, does that mean your cats have names for the birds outside of your window? Oh, I would hope so, but I they've just got little walnut brains, so I don't know. <laughs> you think your cat's just meowing in general, but instead he's calling to his friend Jerry! Greg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's very possible. I suppose so. Learn something new about cats every day. <laughs> Oh, goodness. As that individual had a real nice-looking dog there, but uh, they're on the move too quick for the dog treats. Too fluffy for the dog treats, either. D definitely. Yeah, we couldn't uh, chase that individual as they were jogging with the dog in tow. Mm -hmm. uh, you think there are many dogs that ride the ferry in the morning? As we turn the corner here and see a whole fleet of ferries floating on the bay with the backdrop of fog on the Bay Bridge. Gosh, what a beautiful view. Um, are dogs allowed on the ferries? I'd assume so. Right? I would hope so, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to do another ferry show this year. Ooh, yeah, will we ride a ferry around? And hopefully they just let us serve coffee. Oh, please. Again, I think we need a, a bar shift at the ferry where what we're doing is uh, making sure that people are having their nice gin and tonic or a glass of wine on their commute home. When's Spinelli going to stop writing about hotel bars and start writing about all the ferry bars? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, absolutely love it. Uh, Jeff, hello again. Uh, says, speaking of baby fairies, have you been following the upcoming Oakland Alameda ferry? It's so cute, and it's named Woodstock. What? Have you seen this thing? No. This, uh, this ferry is, it is cute, and it is named Woodstock. It is a yellow ferry. 
and oh it, it ushers between Alameda and Oakland. I think it's still kind of ramping up right now, as I don't know what the schedule is. I don't know if that's been determined yet. Uh, it wasn't always called Woodstock, though. The boat was originally shuttle passengers in a harbor in Buffalo, New York, where it was called the Captain Jack. Then it came over this way. We started calling it Woodstock because home of Charles Schultz. We do everything in this way. But it basically takes you between Alameda Landing and Jack London Square. And it's just a small little small little boat. What a cute little ferry. Expected to operate four or five days a week and up to seven to 12 hours per day. Oh, nice. Uh, should we walk out to the end here and just like soak in this beautiful foggy morning? Sure. Uh, we're looking now at the Bay Bridge, which we can only see bits and pieces of. It's true. As the rest of it is uh, just shrouded in fog. So right now I see one, two towers. There's usually four. I think so. I think so. You tell me. <laughs> um, as we walk through the plaza where the ferry building farmer's market is, come on down here on a Saturday. You just won't regret it. Absolutely. This is where we need to take Charles Barkley, you know? Ah, so we're a good news show, and yeah. it always stings when someone says something negative about San Francisco, and that happened this last week. So if you're uh, if you're down on San Francisco, come join us. We'll uh, walk around the city, we'll show you the beautiful parts to enjoy, and we'll, you know, take you, treat you to a little radio magic on here if we can. <laughs> that would be a fun show, taking someone who does not like San Francisco and saying, come on, come we on. dare you. Come on, we're going. <laughs> come on. Have that holy nada uh, pastry. <laughs> <laughs> Still thinking about it. Oh my gosh. We, we could walk back there with John Law. That was pretty incredible. I think it's possible. Yeah, last week I had a nice show walking around through downtown San Francisco for a while. Always a joy. Always fun. And while I don't think we were responsible for it, we're sorry that Holy Nada sold out. And if you went down there after <laughs> it sold out and we talked about it, our bad. Our apologies. Uh, this building right here that is kind of at the very, very end of the ferry terminal as you get out into the bay. Mm -hmm. um, on one side, it's where BART comes up. So BART comes out of the bay right here. Oh. And on the other, this used to be a restaurant that I remember someone saying, and now I haven't been able to get it out of my head, that this should be like the studio for a Good Morning San Francisco show. Definitely. And I can't wait till they let us do that. <laughs> <laughs> so as you described right here at the edge of the bay, you can hear the trains underneath us at yeah, certain maybe. times as well. Maybe we can hear them if we get over there. Sure, we got some hot mics. Yeah. Hot mics and warm coffee. Hey, hello goes out to Ollie and Hiroshi. Hello. Good morning. Ollie and Hiroshi say they're listening in and drinking some coffee and good morning. Well, good morning up to you as well, Ali and Hiroshi. Friends that we had the privilege of spending the other weekend with, always a good time. Yeah, you, uh, you went to the woods? Went up to the woods. I went up to the woods with somebody who uh, does radio professionally. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, here we are. Uh, yeah, does radio professionally, which is uh, quite the inspiration. Nice. Okay, so you're right. So we're hovering over we're on the pier right now, but we're very close to the water. Let's get some good water sounds. That's your bay, San Francisco. <laughs> Thank you. 
so lovely. Where's the BART train? Uh, it's around here somewhere. It's also eerily warm right here. I know. It's like, I, I would have, I would have a cocktail right here. Is this mechanical heat that we're feeling? Like, is it's, there a machine close to us? What if there's just a natural hot spring right under the ferry building? <laughs> San Francisco's best kept secret is natural <laughs> hot spring. It is really warm right here. It is. It's it's strange, but we could probably just do the show here the whole time and be very comfortable. <laughs> As we have another ferry coming in right now, I'm not seeing the name on this one quite yet. Pisces. The Pisces. Yeah. The SF Bay Ferry, the Pisces, I think coming over from Alameda, if uh, the angle serves, if the angle is correct. Ooh, here's some ferry building bell sounds in the background. Yeah. Lots of good sounds this morning. I know. Where do you think the Pisces is coming from? Alameda. Oh, okay. Did you know that? No, but it just kind of came in from that angle. Gotcha, gotcha. It's not Richmond. Where the sun is shining, by the way. If you're in Alameda right now, looks like you are not in the fog. If you're living that island life, you're probably wearing shorts. <laughs> uh, keep rolling? I was going to say, yeah, let's keep going. Uh, let's go around this way. It's so funny that the ferry building is... Um, Oof, chilly. So, oh, yeah, now it's cold. Oh, I hear Bart. That's your train. That's it. That's the train while it's under the bay. That's so cool. I, know. I like that there are these little sort of hidden crevasses in the world that allow you to observe the trains below. Like in walking down Mission Street, you know, you walk over mm -hmm. some of the grates and you get to hear the train right below you. Yeah. This one right here at the ferry building is another great example. Kind of like the little peek outs when you get by the Balboa Park station. Oh, well. yeah, that's a good one. Um, I like, uh, in the future, being able to hear the trains underneath me when I'm in Washington Square Park, oh. eating a slice of Tony G's. <laughs> Give us subways in North Beach, you cowards. <laughs> someday. We'll get there. We'll get someday, there. Someday. Someday. <laughs> Walking back towards the ferry building now, seeing a downtown that is, again, still shrouded in fog as the tops of the buildings are escaping us. Salesforce completely shrouded. One market you can't see the top of. And uh, the Bank of America building, also very foggy. Yeah. All we get is the ferry building and the Hills Brothers Coffee building. You know, which are good buildings to get in downtown San Francisco. Oh, absolutely. Um, speaking of good buildings to get, we talked about some of these best hotel bars. Can we walk through some of these? Ooh. Because I love these. Uh, what are you thinking of? So, Rise Over Run is the first one that Spinelli thinks of. Uh -huh. uh, this one, have you been to Rise Over Run? I have not. This is definitely on my list of spots that I need to get to. Um, the beautiful, beautiful views, great drinks, very enjoyable. Uh, the third floor, another one that he speaks on. Uh, the third floor is, as you'd imagine, on the third floor. I think it's on <laughs> Turk Street. No, 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 excuse me, it's on Clay. 433 Clay. The thing that Spinelli does well in this article that I just love is just describes the drink, the vibes, everything from the chairs to the food to mm -hmm. the staff that puts it together. Realizing that like a good hotel bar is not just a single thing. Hey, good morning. 
not just a single thing. It's a lot of things all wrapped up into one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, also speaking about uh, Charlemagne's. Ooh, I love Charlemagne's. If I had to pick a good hotel bar, uh, Charlemagne's would be on the top of my list and the top of the roof. <laughs> exactly. Charlemagne's uh, top tier in a lot of different ways. If you've not been there for a while, uh, put it in your calendar and set a date. Good morning. Uh, through the ferry building? Uh, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Go through the ferry building and emerge on the other side. Uh, great spot for, uh, for a quick drink after work. Oh yeah, nice and warm in here. And you can feel the bustle of the folks. The ferry building feels alive. It really does. There are a lot of people in here this morning. Yeah. You know, I think another thing that I love that Spinelli opens up with in this article is, he says, uh, find the line here, uh, never mind all the doom loop naysayers, there's a never shortage of fun things to do here. And one thing the city certainly excels in is its world-class hotel bars. Mm. And world-class empanadas right here. This looks very good. El Porteño, which we're just walking by. <laughs> Hey, hello and good morning goes out to LeBron James, <laughs> the goat of cats. Uh, hello, Katie says, LeBron, name the birds in our yard, but their names are breakfast, lunch, and dinner. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. That makes sense. And then says, I'll make sure that he's the first cat on the new Alameda ferry and sends in a great shot of the shop local Alameda and LeBron James hanging out nice. right next to it. LeBron James really getting after it. Absolutely. The best LeBron James we know. 100%. I mean, this cat does it all, man. It, it really does. Uh, uh, yeah, so I'm with you. We're walking to the ferry building right now, and it's more lively than I recall seeing it in a while. We would get in trouble if we rode our bikes through here now. Which, which we definitely haven't done before, so never. don't look back in the archives for that. <laughs> uh, all the way through? Yeah, let's walk all the way through. And then we'll start, begin our journey maybe over to North Beach. I like it, I like it. Excellent. I'm excited to see a little bit more of the bay, do some stairway streets. Got a lot of goodness ahead of us. The whole thing this morning, right before the sun comes out. Still a little foggy out here, but overall looking nice. Got some public art over here on the right. Yeah, this looks like a new, a new mural here. Part on fire. Yeah, yeah beautiful mural, uh, very vivid colors. Oh, thank you. Thanks. All right. Gentleman sees, uh, sees us with our arms full of radio things and says, I'll open the door for you. The folks are kind around here. It's true. It's very true. Uh, let's go. Yeah, let's go right. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'm still not seeing any parrots over as we're back over here by Sue Beerman Park, but they'll come out. I still see that very large bird up in the trees, though. Oh, there's a second one now, too. I think it's not messing around. Could just be maybe like a raven, but I don't know. Ravens are large birds. We're going to, in a few, actually, a uh, teaser for an upcoming show, we're going to the Tunnel Top Parks in about a month. <gasps> um, and one of the things that we're trying to coordinate right now is who we're going to be speaking with. There's like a list of people. Mm -hmm. And one of the folks uh, is a bird expert. And I was like, I would really like to speak with a bird expert. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, speaking of upcoming shows, next week we're going to be back at the library to talk about the night of ideas so you won't want to miss that one i'm so excited for you to be back in a library whispering for two hours on the radio <laughs> <laughs> oh the thought has crossed my mind uh, uh, i think i'd love to do and that show is like walk around the library oh yeah and uh and talk while we're walking around and seeing what we're seeing Can't doing wait. what we're doing <sighs> folks out here jogging getting after it absolutely 
Um, you know, uh, another, it's not a hotel, but it is a bar. Did you see Martoonies made the news <sighs> this last week? And in the way that was just the most appropriate, we talked 100%. about best martinis on planet earth mm -hmm. and you know you can talk about a lot of fancy ones i think we were talking earlier about one that is thirty dollars yep yep and i bet the thirty dollar one is delicious don't get me wrong it probably is but is it a martinis level delicious oh so esquire came out with their best martinis in the u.s san francisco has three of them martinis was one uh, a couple of Michelin star ones. The sister restaurant of State Bird, which is the Progress, had one, which is great. And then I don't know this other one. Um, Afoc, A P H O T I C. Afotic. Afetic. Afetic. Photic. Who knows? Oh, oh. We just got caught up on a wet floor. As <laughs> the cords dangle between us. Uh, but Martini's being hailed as one of the best martinis in America is so spot on for that place. Yeah. You know, a great San Francisco night is heading out to Martini's, Martini's, sitting at the piano and drinking a couple of martinis. Just two. You just need two of them. <laughs> Truly. Be, like, beware after that. Yeah, the three, a third martini is really <laughs> overdoing it. It's one of the few things where I feel like two is, two is perfect, three uh -huh. is unreasonable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you go from perfect to unreasonable so quickly. Uh, I went there one night, maybe with you, um, when the gay men's choir yeah. was just getting out of practice. Yep. And they came in, and that was a magical, magical night. Well, they continued to sing. Yeah. yeah. They continued. They just kept their practice going. Uh, I know. Like. And they were just, they're the best. But the only downside to that was we finished our second martini, and it was like, well, that's it. <laughs> Can't drink a third. <laughs> Got to go. It's too dangerous. <laughs> Oh, I see some more folks are jogging here. Got a couple of dogs off leash, yeah, just doing off leash dog things. Jogging pups. Yeah. <laughs> some golden retrievers, perhaps. More folks commuting on the bike lanes. The Valencia bike lanes made the news this last week for the umpteenth time in the last year. I wish we could calculate the amount of mental energy that has gone into that. That's a real thing. <laughs> So the Valencia bike lanes, uh, more merchants said they don't like it. And surprisingly, a few people said they did like it. Yeah. This kind of caught me off guard. I mean, again, if you're going straight through, if you're not going anywhere on Valencia, it's a great bike lane. Just go straight. But the goal is to go somewhere on Valencia. It's a neighborhood commercial corridor. It's designed for you to stop and pop off and pick out the best croissant that money can buy. A fantastic martini, not to be used as a highway. That's a great point. You're not passing through. Stop and stay a while. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think they said that they're going to keep the pilot going. Is that right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, but they're considering alternatives. And if the word burrito plan, I guess that's two words, <laughs> is not in there, I'm going to be disappointed. The burrito plan is the, is the idea that uh, Valencia should alternate in one-way streets. Uh -huh. So that people can't drive all the way through and always giving half of the streets to pedestrians and to cyclists and to people that are, are moving in that sort of mobility, which I love. I think it's a great idea. I know that um, taxi daddy Jeff Tumlin said that it was going to be too hard to do the burrito plan. Do hard things. I'd love to get them two martinis in at Martoonies <laughs> and say, is it harder than this? Oh, goodness. <laughs> 
Also, I just want I want leaders to do difficult things. I want them to, to point to places on the horizon that are challenging to get to and to challenge themselves to execute and then to do that. Ooh, can I tell you um, something related to this that is, uh, it's like a nugget of an idea in my mind and I want to bounce it off. Here. Please. So the old transit director, um, Reskin, he used to say, and this was like a thing that would, would be said in these circles, mm -hmm. is that like if I go to a meeting and everyone walks away a little bit unhappy, then I've done my job because we've compromised, right? Mm -hmm. No one got exactly what they want, but everyone got a little bit of something. And I don't think that's true anymore. Huh. I think the state of the city and the world means that we have to tell some people flat out, you're wrong. Yeah. You're not going to be happy here. We're going to go in this direction and the city's going to be better. It might not be better tomorrow. It might be a little bit under construction, a little bit uh, not quite there yet. But we're going to make a hard decision, to your point, and uh, we're going to live with it. I like it. I, I kind of agree with you. I do think that there are certainly times in which you cannot compromise. Yeah. And I think public safety is like pretty high on that list. Absolutely. Uh, especially after we've, you know, as a city so publicly said, hey, we want to get to vision zero. No more automobile-related uh, deaths by 20, I think we've already passed it. Mm -hmm. Was it next year? It's later this year. It's in April, I think. Okay, so the, you hear that, cars? <laughs> Stop hitting people later this year. You got till then. You got until April. Oh, goodness. Hey, shoot, we have at the KGO. Hey, good morning. <laughs> they were in, they, the person that just walked by to us was into the setup. Had very large eyes and a big smile on their face. Should we have at the KTVU news station right here? We Is should. That's where we they should. broadcast from? Fellow broadcasting partners. Hello, journalists. <laughs> Hello, real journalists. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so Thomas also says that there's also a bar uh, event on Colton Street, which doesn't appear to be affected by the nearby residential developments. Sends in a Google Earth shot. Oh, that's good to know. Oh yeah, that's a, that's a sneaky one. You know, I don't I don't think I know where this is exactly. Where's Colton? Okay, so you know how you're going up Market Street and you're about to cut over on Valencia towards the mission. Yeah. The BART train does not follow that path. The BART train goes like mid-block before it even gets there under Colton Street mm. ah. to cut over to mission. Got it. Yeah. Huh, I know what you're talking about now. Yeah, it's a, it's a cool spot. Cool. Uh, thank you, Thomas, for pointing that out. Yeah. And Jeff says, Afak, uh, A-P-H-O-T-I-C, Afotic. It's just Greek for dark. Okay. Uh, thanks to my ninth grade English teacher for teaching us Greek and Latin roots. All right. Shout out to entomology. Yeah. And uh, if, if your English teacher has a name, like, let us know. We'll shout her out on air. Or yeah, whoever they are. <laughs> whoever they are. We're happy that you learned what you learned when you learned it. <laughs> we're all about good teachers on this radio show. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. You see that hill over there? That's where we're going, to the top. Yeah, of so we're going to the top of a hill that is currently shrouded in fog. You can't even see the base of Coit Tower right now. Oh. You know, this is kind of wild because I think it's going to be a beautiful day. Good morning. Too. Say hello to some tourists. A lot of tourists over here. I think there must be a cruise ship getting off because all ah, these people have yeah, uh, have their bags. Yeah, hey, good morning. Right? Like they're all walking from the cruise terminals. Do you think I even need any assistance finding a good burrito in town? <laughs> a good cup of coffee? A good hotel bar? Maybe a martini at Martunis? Because <laughs> we passed the Exploratorium right now. What an inviting space this Exploratorium is. Should we go out to this, like, just to these listening? Oh, sure. 
Can we go to the listening dishes? So we can. Uh, you'd have to keep your headphones with me, but we could do this. Okay. All right. Hold on. All right. So we're going to try. Uh, Roll over easy does some science. Good morning. <laughs> uh, we're in front of the Exploratorium. I'm going to be in one of these listening dishes. And the early bird is going to be in the other. All right. I'll sit here. And we're going to try to listen to each other and talk on this beautiful, good morning, beautiful morning. Lots of uh, friendly people waving. Yeah, we're on air. Okay, early bird. Early bird, can you hear me? Good morning, Sequoia. Good can morning, Sequoia. <gasps> good morning. Oh, I can hear you. I can hear you clearly too. These two listening dishes are about 100 feet apart from each other. Large convex domes pointed towards one another. Science is crazy. It is. This is nice. <laughs> We're pretty far away from each other. Also, shout out to these mics that are working at this distance. I know. They can do a lot. We're, uh, we're pretty spoiled here. Hello. All right. I'm coming back to you. <laughs> oh, goodness. We've got a sundial right here. Science on the radio. Nailed it. <laughs> it's exactly right. Science on the radio. Uh, should we keep cruising down the Embarcadero? Let's do it. The thing I love about the Embarcadero is that it's generally an inviting area for people, whether you're like this guy running with a vest on, mm -hmm. similar to the vest you're wearing, by the way. Or if you're a tourist looking for a little bit of respite and a spot to sit down, maybe you're an excited, excited child who loves science, uh, there's so much that the Embarcadero can offer you from a standpoint of entertainment and relaxation if you just decide to lean into it. And honestly, like, isn't that what not only the Embarcadero, but say the Westfield should do? Just like give you a little bit of anything. Yeah. Anything and everything. Yeah, it's a sweet spot for large public spaces that give you the opportunity to have have that wide range of things happen. The cool thing about the Embarcadero, too, is that it's only going to get better. Yes. Uh, the Embarcadero is filled with these finger piers, because they look like fingers stretching out into the bay. And some of them have been rehabilitated to be something nice, like the Exploratorium. But so many of them, even ones that we've walked by already, are just still kind of dark. They're parking lots. Yeah. And like in a couple of years, decades, generations, they're going to be something <laughs> a lot cooler. Yeah, hopefully it doesn't take generations to get rid of them being parking lots, but uh, yes. Uh, you know, next week actually the port and the Army, the Army Corps of Engineers, are having uh, meetings at the Exploratorium and like I think the Aquarium on the Bay all over to talk about the sea level rise plan. Ah, interesting. So if you get opinions, I think there's a public meeting Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday for you next week. Yeah, you know, I'm going to zig when everyone else zags, and I'm going to say we should lower the ferry building. <laughs> I'm talking full-on aquatic <laughs> wonderland, underwater, <laughs> big glass walls. I want to see a shark. <laughs> John King is typing furiously right now. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Yeah, I, uh, I'm curious to see what we do. I know that we've talked about the need to rise it, to raise it up a little bit. Good morning. Uh, but, you know, there's some, there's some ideas. Yeah. Some thoughts. 
you know, seeing a shark sounds pretty great. Like, move the right? aquarium on the bay to the ferry building. You cowards! <laughs> hey, Burrito Justice, good morning. Oops, wrong button. That's the helicopter. Burrito Justice. <laughs> Burrito says the Burrito plan is actually southbound one way, not alternating blocks. I'm so very sorry. Oh. And sends in a great article from the Standard about this. Okay, okay. Burrito Justice. We hope. We're here for the burrito plan. We are. We are. Um, and also, hello goes out to Jesse. Jesse. Jesse says, good morning. Waving emoji. And look at this coffee setup. You got the scale. You got the kettle that looks great. The pour over. This is a coffee action shot fit for the front of one of these San Francisco gossip magazines that just uh, we were talking about earlier. Our, uh, the tabloids are going to be great. I love it. Um, I think we should cross over here and go through Levi's Plaza. Let's do it. Uh, the house that Daniel Lurie built. <laughs> oh, goodness. Morning. Morning, y'all. There's lots of tourists over here. I know. There is a cruise ship here, so. It's a huge cruise ship. I would love to walk on it, but I do not think we'll be able to do that. I don't think so. Have you ever been on a cruise ship? I have been on a cruise ship. Uh, it, it's not necessarily... The my cup of tea, but I also thoroughly enjoyed it. What about you? Have you? I have not been on a cruise ship before. But well, the biggest ship I've ever been on is maybe the Boyle's boat. <laughs> not the ferry? No, I've been on the ferry. Boyle's got a pretty big boat then. Um, did we say hello yet to Molly? Look at this. Oh my ooh, goodness. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Molly, hello. hello. Uh, Molly says, good morning, Roller Breezy, from the finest-looking ladies in SF. And, of course, those fine-looking ladies are the painted ladies. Oh, nice shot. Yeah. Looking beautiful out there. Woo. You know, Alamo Square Park, you know, there's a great spot to, like, start your morning off. Oh, my gosh. Pet a dog. Say hello. Take a walk. Take a stroll. Uh, I rode my bike by uh, Alamo Square this morning, and it was looking great. It was a very happy-looking park. You love to see it. Mm -hmm. Speaking of happy looking parks, I don't know what this little park is in front of uh, Levi's Plaza, but it's very nice. I'm happy to happy to walk through it. What does this say? This, oh, this plaque. Should we stop and read the plaque? It's like, I don't know what this thing is. <laughs> yeah, you want to read it? Uh, let's see. This doesn't appear to be for the park. It says White Angel. Yeah. I was westering and westering. And when the old man came to the edge of the continent, they saw they could go no further. They broke down and wept. Down and out on the waterfront in Frisco, the end of the line, out of work, out of food, and out of hope. San Francisco, at the end of the line, had always had more than its share of transient men on the move looking for work. During the Great Depression of the 1930s, the sheer number of people without homes and without food overwhelmed the city's many charities as bread lines would wound around city blocks and each day the soup kitchens fed one hot meal to thousands who otherwise would not survive. Here at the foot of Telegraph Hill from June of 1931 through September of 1933, one woman carried out her own plan to help. Her name was Lois Jordan and the soup kitchen that she set up was Abe Roof's junk-filled lot bounded by the Embarcadero and Battery between Filbert and Greenwich, 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 became known as the White Angle Angel Jungle. Seamen without ships, longshoremen with no cargo to load, railroad men out of jobs, carpenters with nothing to build. Penningless and friendless in a big city, 
They have been fed, clothed, and mothered by Mother Jordan. Mm. And that's an excerpt from the San Francisco Call, maybe the tabloid rag of its day. <laughs> All right, yeah, so there used to be the uh, White Angel Soup Kitchen right here. Very nice. All right, now as we walk into this park, maybe we'll figure out what it's called. Levi's Plaza, very fitting. Levi's Plaza Park, yeah, there you go. Yeah, all right, I'll take it. So this is private property, though. I think it's like an oversized popo. Popo being the privately owned, publicly open space. Love it. Yeah. Uh, left? I think so, because I think this, the stairway is right up in front of us. Just kind of wander around. What time is it? When are we? It's uh, 8.22. Oh. We, got, we got a little bit of time, but... But we got to get moving in that direction. Yeah, we got to get headed, headed up. Especially because we can't even see the top of Koi Tower right now. Is it even there? It is. Good morning. Could be. Maybe not. Mm -hmm. Also, uh, San Franciscans, be on the lookout. Cherry blossoms. Yeah. Starting to bloom, as we can see from uh, from right here. You know, you're spot on. Uh, cherry blossoms. It is the season for them to start blooming. Uh, always right before my mom's birthday. Oh, nice. Um, which is coming up here very soon. Uh, we, we see three of them here in Levi's Plaza that have already started to bloom and are looking beautiful. Uh, Golden Gate Park has some large and notable cherry blossoms as well that I'm sure are looking great this time of year. Might be worth checking out if you've not been down there yet. And uh, happy birthday, happy early birthday to Mama Sequoia. She's tuning in. I think she's hanging out with us. Nice. Jeff says, well, since you asked, my teacher's name was Mr. Bowman, which later transitioned to Miss Bowman. Oh. Trans is a Latin prefix and is opposite is cis, which I first learned in organic chemistry. So I was puzzled by the right winger's decision, decided that it was some sort of slur. Entomology rules. <laughs> All right. Now, so I guess, I guess we were right on both counts. I think you're right. <laughs> also, look at this bus shelter at Levi's Plaza. Levi's, this is, is this the nicest bus shelter in San Francisco? It has to be. Are there speakers in there? Oh. Is there a heater? Is that a hot stone massage happening? No, there's a martini. <laughs> <laughs> this is a great little uh, bus station right here. Wow, so it's got a semi-circular bench. It's completely covered, and then it's surrounded by glass uh, on the semi-circle. It's shielding the, those waiting for the bus from the westerly winds. Love it. Yeah. So we're looking, walking towards Koi Tower right now, and we're down here in Levi's Plaza, full of brick buildings. Lots of good artwork on the buildings, as it feels like these have been somewhat recently painted. Yeah. Uh, at least some nice additions. So we're here at the entrance of Levi Strauss. We've got a coffee shop in there. Yeah. Here, let's, let's stare at this building for a second. <laughs> See what everyone's doing in here. Um, ironically, I think it was John Law, actually, who told us to stop buying new Levi's. He said, stay away. Yeah. Don't give them any money. I'm excited for him to tell us that story again today because I think we're going to be right at the cusp of the story that he was referencing, which oh, yeah. I don't want to give it away, but it has to do with Telegraph Hill. Oh, my So gosh. if you want some hot, hot goss on the Levi Strauss and Telegraph Hill relationship from uh, maybe 50 years ago. We got you covered. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, Hello. Hello goes out to Catherine this morning who says, hello. All have tried to trap me into petting her all morning. Oh, <laughs> cat's doing cat things, Catherine. I'm with you on that. And a uh, professional theremin player, KT, said, LOL, I once did a market research thing for Levi's down at Levi's Plaza. I had to choose a few outfits I liked. 
thing is, I'm an intensely millennial woman and there are no skinny jeans to choose from. <laughs> said, uh, is this it? But I'd never wear it. But at all of these, I was supposed to be there for 90 minutes, but I was in and out. <laughs> I love that. Love it. Stairs to Coit Tower as we're on the edge of the Telegraph Hill Historic District here on the corner of Sansom and Filbert with another beautiful bus stop. Oh Look my at this. Gosh. This ten. bus stop, also a big semicircle covered wind shelter. 10 out of 10 bus shelter right here. Really nice, yeah. really, really nice. I think it's the fact that they uh, they chill all the ingredients before they put them in the martini for you here. <laughs> it's just got a rinse of vermouth. It's just really, really nice. <laughs> oh, all right, so now we, we, uh, this is heavy breathing over easy here in a minute maybe, is we're now at the base of Telegraph Hill. We got some stairs to climb. We do. Just, it goes straight up. Uh, do we want to do the heavy breathing? Do we want to hop into a jam? Uh, let's talk for another minute or so, and then uh, we'll, we'll jump into a jam uh, when need be. Do you have uh, a stair climbing song? I, I will find one, I will think. Or actually, uh, tune in a good stair climbing song to us. Let us know what we should be playing. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about Bloom Shaboom for Ooh, a minute. Hit me. So, on Sunday, March 24th, from 1 to 4 p.m. in the Burroughs Pocket Park, Bloom Shaboom is happening. Let me, let me dive into some of those words. So, the 24th, it's a Sunday. 1 to 4 should be a beautiful chunk of the early morning or the early afternoon. And Burroughs Pocket Park is a small dead-end street in the Portola neighborhood, the Garden neighborhood. Mm -hmm that is uh, set up with a coffee shop. It's set up with a greenway. It's also set up with an excellent opportunity to connect with neighbors, friends, peers, anyone, as Bloom Shaboom is a free community event that is focused on, well, community, the arts, music, books, all sorts of wonderful things. And that is happening again March 24th, 1 to 4 p.m., more on this soon, as I think we're actually going to go down to the Burroughs Pocket Park in a couple of weeks. Nice. Can't wait. Uh, I'm a big fan of the Burroughs Pocket Park. I think it might just be the best pocket park in town. It's really nice. <laughs> so, uh, a few uh, few toots coming in. One, Jeff says we play Stairway to Heaven. <laughs> just sitting right there in front of us. I don't know how he didn't see this. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, let's see, uh, Catherine says that the Strausses, Levi Strauss was a founding member of the congregation of Shrith, Shirith Israel, which I don't know a whole lot about. Huh. All right. It was founded in 1851 during the Gold Rush period. It's one of the oldest synagogues in the U.S. All right. And Gobsmack just says, uh, Rollover Easy's touching on a lot of my work this morning. <laughs> Hopefully in a good way? Yeah, hope so. And, and if we got anything wrong, uh, we're here for corrections. Roll, look, we get a lot of things wrong here on the radio. We're not, we're not professionals. We are amateurs in the truest sense of the word. Just a couple of enthusiasts with microphones. Oh yeah, enthusiasts is a, is a good framing. Should we keep walking up these stairs? Yeah, we are now taller than the tallest telephone pole. Uh, and we have to keep going up. All right, let me uh, do some quick typing here so I can... You gonna get some Stairway to Heaven? You know, so, yes. Uh-huh. Uh, but, 
Sometimes when I play a song like Stairway to Heaven, podcasting networks send me angry emails uh-huh. and they say, don't take it down. We've removed your episode. This is a warning. That always makes me a little nervous. Yeah. So do you have like an alternate Stairway to Heaven to play? No. A cover? That's a great idea. So now we've transitioned from the cement stairs to the wooden stairs. You can hear that. Uh, And we're right up here by Napier Lane, which is one of San Francisco's more famous little stairway streets. And rightfully so. This is just a little tiny little oasis. The nice thing about it being such a foggy morning is that it's just absolutely caked in mist resulting in a lot of very, very happy plants this uh, this late winter. Absolutely. When do we move into spring? When's the first day of spring? Oh, good question. I'll have an answer for you next week. How about that? That's fair. Ooh, good bird sounds. Morning. Morning. Yeah, look at this, Napier Lane, just a little boardwalk. So beautiful. You have to be crazy to live here and crazier not to want to. <laughs> you think that guy lives here? The guy with the Santa Cruz sweatshirt that just walked by? Yeah. 10 out of 10 people wearing Santa Cruz sweatshirts, they're, they're, they're chilling, my book. Yeah. I would assume yes. Yeah, yeah. He had a smile on like he lived here, like he was just living the dream. <laughs> Uh, should we keep uh, cruising upwards? Yeah, do you find uh, the cover of Stairway to Heaven? I've not ever heard this version, but what do you think about Dolly Parton, Lizzo, and Sasha Flute? Oh my gosh. On the latest Dolly Parton album, Rockstar. This is definitely going to get us taken down. <laughs> probably. It's probably worse than just playing the regular one. But Dolly Parton and Lizzo? What? I'll go through, I'll edit it, I'll chop this part out, and then I'll upload. Okay. So if you're listening to this, this is the reason why I didn't upload it until <laughs> Thursday night because I had to go through and edit it. Uh, but yeah, we can put a little uh, Dolly Parton here who was inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, said, no thanks, I'm not a rock star. Oh. They said, Dolly, you are a rock star. And she said, fine, well, let me make a rock album then. He came out with this one. Oh my gosh. So we passed the Grace Merchant Garden. Yeah, I think Grace Merchant, uh, one of the ones that helped to plant this. Yeah, Gary Cray, actually. Oh wait, I'm hearing there's some reggae covers of Stairway. That would be great. Oh yeah, let's do that. That would be really, really good. You're gonna have to find Dolly Parton and Lizzo all on your own. Let me see if I can uh, get through this gate here. Ooh, good gate sound. I know, good gate sound indeed. So I have to move this gate in order to see through the plants of this plaque. The Grace Merchant Garden is in honor of Gary Cray, tender of the garden from 1979 to 2012, who devoted the last 33 years of his life to beautifying this special place started by Grace Merchant in 1949. His selfless dedication to friends and flowers will always be remembered. Hmm, I love that. Selfless dedication to friends and flowers. What a great thing to be remembered by. What did this person stand for? Just their selfless dedication to friends and flowers. (laughs) 
All right, do you got do you got the reggae version? Okay, I don't yet, but I'm I'm assuming it's going to come through in just a moment. I'm I'm so excited about this. When John Law asks why we're late, this is going to be a pretty funny excuse. I know, I know. Um, let's see. <laughs> Anything coming up? Anything coming up? No, we'll be on time, I think. All right, all right. Uh, I don't know. Any of these look like reggae? Do you recognize any of these as reggae? Hey, look, I'm not going to stereotype an album cover. Okay, here we go. This is Stairway to Heaven, the piano version. Ooh. B-R-B-S-F.
was a nice stairway to heaven piano version that we listened to on the way up. I think that will keep us flying under the radar <laughs> from the uh Yeah, why is the bathroom talking to people? Because <laughs> they know what it is. <laughs> oh goodness. <laughs> Well, here we are. We are live at the San Francisco Coit Tower toilet in front of us. We're in, we're in front of Coit Tower right now. We've just walked up. We're pouring some coffee, and we are here with John Law. John, good morning. Hey, how you boys doing? You're a little Feeling winded good. coming up the hill there, right? <laughs> I feel pretty good, though. I feel light. I feel springy. Uh, those steps, what a beautiful way to start off your Thursday, walking up and down those wooden steps on the side of the hill. Yeah, yeah, it's, a, it's one of the beautiful, uh, most beautiful spots in the city. When I first moved here in 1976, oh, actually, I'll tell you the story when we, when we walked down there. All right. But uh, yeah, the first time I came uh, uh, up Napier Lane, it was a pretty cool spot. It's a place that like people who moved to San Francisco find out about at some point, usually in the first six months they're here. Totally. You're looking, they're looking around, exploring and walking, and everybody comes to the you know Telegraph Hill to look around. Yep. And there's a bunch of little stairways and cool little spots and crazy sto stories, historical things. Um, you guys have had Gary Camille on here, so I'm yeah. sure he knows all all of the historical dirt on Telegraph Hill. And uh, one of the best movie, one of the best noir movies ever was shot here, The House on Telegraph Hill. I don't know if you've ever seen that one. Cool. I have not. But I have they, not, but I'd they love shot to. the film. Okay, the, the house. In, in perspective would have been about where the tower is uh -huh. yeah. they're, they're always looking out from the house mm. so the back lawn there is like the is like the lawn for the house and they have these oh, like cool. they have these crazy angle shots shooting straight down the hill so it looks like you're like 300 feet above you know <laughs> Which, whatever yeah. it's a pretty sudden hill it's oh, a pretty yeah, sudden it can be. On there's the a lot of yeah. steep cliffs here that's right yeah. and so that movie was uh was really wonderful for showing that and making it seem like somebody had lived right here where Coit Tower is which is uh, uh, Richard Basehart actually was a guy who lived in the house so, what was uh, the name of the film again? The House on Telegraph Hill. There you go. Yeah. Add, it to, add it to your uh, weekend watch list if it rains. There you go. Mm. Uh, should we take a sip of coffee together? Absolutely. All right. Uh, San Francisco, get your mugs. Let's all do this together. It's more fun when we all take a big sip together. All right. Ready? Yeah, it is. One, two, and. <sighs> there you go. Mm. Yeah. I love it. I held off on coffee until I uh, met you boys up here. So. <laughs> bold. 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 Yeah, yeah, bold. Daring. Risky. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. So it might take a while for my, my, my brain to kick in and engage. We'll, we'll, start, we'll start you with an easy one. Uh, you were telling us uh, off air that you're having a, a lot of fun in the last couple of years. During, yeah. during this fun, where are you going to breakfast? Like, what's your breakfast spot these days? No, well, no lines, people you love, yeah, blue skies. Um, you know, uh, Moe's on Grant is great. Um, Rocco's, which closed for like a couple of months. Rocco's down in Folsom, closed for a couple of months, but they reopened. I haven't been there since they reopened, but they're probably about the best breakfast in, in, in town at Rocco's. And so we're, it's where, uh, <laughs> I mean, for years and years and years, uh, the police command staff would eat in there. So if you like would sit in there, you'd hear all this like weird gossip yeah. you know, about what's going on in the police department. <laughs> I would sit like close to them and pretend to be reading the newspaper. You have to. But uh, yeah, it was a crazy place, uh, and they reopened it under a new owner. The, the old, the dude who had it before, um, really uh, uh, exacting chef, and he, you know, finally retired and sold it to I think one of his one of his chefs. Hmm. So they're going to keep going, hopefully, with the same menu and the same, you know, all like autographed photos of crazy San Francisco people inside and stuff like that. Great place. But Moe's on Grant Street, uh, Grant Avenue rather, um, is really really good. Um, uh, my favorite, a couple of my favorite places are gone, unfortunately. I mean, Louis out at the beach, mm -hmm. which was one of the greats. I've been eating in there for decades and decades. And 
I don't know why they let that place go, but they did. So I have hope it'll come back in some way. I hope so. I mean, the family that ran it were awesome. The, it was it was reasonable, reasonably priced. The food was good, nothing fancy. Love it. You know, great like diner. The, yeah, great diner, and uh, the view is a million dollar, like a a billion dollar view. I mean, Edge of the like continent. It. I hear it was the best diner between there and Hawaii. Was what yes. I heard. <laughs> that is correct. It was yeah. absolutely no questions asked. Everyone agreed on that <laughs> on that fact. So, so um, yeah, Coit Tower. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Telegraph Hill. This is we did. Uh, we use this location a lot um, in the Suicide Club days when we we're doing underground events. And Don Heron, who does the walk, uh, Dash Time at Walking Tour, he's been doing it off and on for 45 years. He used to do these detective games, and we did one up here. They ended up up here cool. with about 40 people running around in uh, in, uh, in suits <laughs> and ties and shooting each other with plastic dart guns. Nice. And it was a common. He based his games a lot, a lot of times. He based his games on a compilation or kind of a like a mashup of uh, of uh, noir and mystery novels and stories cool. and and, uh, and and whatnot and so characters in the in the games would would style themselves sometimes after fictional characters sometimes after real characters sometimes they'd make up a character and do these really elaborate games they call them LARPs now which is L L A R P LARPs which yeah, I never could figure that playing. out it's like uh, like uh, you know, what was it? Yahoo started that whole thing. It's like when I first saw Yahoo, it's like, what the fuck kind of a name is that? Part of my French. <laughs> yeah, you're fine. Yeah. Now it's like, and, and they have all these dumb names like blog. I mean, blog sounds like you're throwing up, right? Yeah. I mean, it's what we're doing. You know, everybody does it now, right? Wait, what do you call your but blog? Podcast. I mean, it sounds like no, something community from Community radio is what we're anchoring strong. Podcast, with. you know, I mean, the, the actual functions are great. Podcasts are great. Blogs can be great. You know, Yahoo, you know, whatever. Sure. Um, Google, all these silly names for corporations because yeah. before Yahoo, corporations didn't have silly names. I'm not judging. Right, I'm just pointing it was, something out. It was silly. Out. It was a purple logo, totally and it was a lowercase y, yeah. and they had a banjo playing. Right, and, yeah. but it worked, and maybe that's yeah. an indication of the times and the, yeah. the silliness of the times in a lot of ways. We used to be uh, lulled by a sock puppet for Pets.com that yeah. would tell us to buy cat food on the internet in that's 2000. Oh, man, that was a near miss, man. I'm glad I pulled, glad I pulled my stocks out of that one before I crashed. But, uh, <laughs> uh, well, let's get walking here. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of names, you mentioned one earlier, uh, the Suicide Club. Good, <laughs> good name, better than Yahoo. Just going to go out and say yeah, that. Right. <laughs> right. Um, tell us a little bit about, uh, say you're out, we're talking martinis earlier. Oh, yeah. Tell us, you're out having a couple of martinis. You're on martini someone. number two at this point. <laughs> yeah, you're on martini number two okay. at martinis. I used to drink gin martinis quite a bit when I was younger. <laughs> And someone goes, uh, hey, you're, you're a nice guy. Like, what are you all about? What, what, what do you do? Do you tell them about the Suicide Club? How do you describe yourself um, these days? Well, you guys don't mind. We're going to head down the stairs here. Yeah, that's um, what we're here for. Yeah. Um, so how would I tell, you know, well, like I say, they would, occasionally people would run into us on the street, although we, we did quote-unquote street theater. We were pretty bad at it. We were terrible actors, but we got better at it over time. But we also would do weird events on the street. And uh, actually, you know, the upcoming Chinese New Year's parade, um, uh, there's a treasure hunt that takes place during the, the New Year's parade. You might be familiar with it. I it's heard about this. It's a pretty big this. deal. Or, yeah. you know, a couple thousand people go on. It's a great event. Uh, money, uh, money raised from it goes to charity. It began as a suicide club event back in 1977 with about, I think there were about maybe 50 people and a pie fight at the end of it. And we would, uh, we would run across the uh, parade route, literally in the middle of the parade, <laughs> to get from one clue to the other. And, uh, and uh, you know, clues would be hidden, like, under, under sewer caps, on billboards, uh, in mouths of, like, dragons in front of banks, you know, in Chinatown, that kind of thing. Totally. Wonderful event. And, uh, yeah, one of, the, one of the guys in the club kind of took the event over after been going for five or six years and turned it into a much bigger kind of legitimate ch charity event, which is, you know, ongoing to this day. 
So that was one Suicide Club event that still resonates around here, even though nobody, nobody really knows that. Is, is that like a, a, a larger Suicide Club trend? It's this idea happens, it resonates, right. and then someone just kind of builds on it. Um, well, that's a, I think that's been partially, n- n- not due to any facility or particular uh, overt intelligence on our parts. I think it's more due, due to luck mm-hmm. over time because we, we are here in San Francisco and the Bay Area, uh, Silicon Valley, this area, and this is an area of innovation. It's an area where people come, come to from all over the world and have for years. And it's kind of a last stop for a lot of people. They, uh, um, it's the continent. Yeah, yeah, it is. And so and so the creativity here is uh, is kind of different than in, than in other places. It's not as competitive and it's not as uh, money-oriented. And so a lot of things would begin here that can't or wouldn't happen in other places. And so with uh, Suicide Club stuff... You know, people could come up with any idea for an event that they wanted to try out, and then the people in the group would give it a shot and see how it went. And so, and you, you know, guys put it on your blog first, right? That's how people found out about it. <laughs> no, we put it on uh, we put it on our bulletin board, which is a uh, like a kind of a cork thing on a wall. Ah, uh-huh. interesting, like you know, sharp you know, metal like things. Push pins, push yeah, pins, little yeah, classic yeah, things yeah. with like spiky <laughs> metal I'm things. I'm trying to them. imagine this. I'm I've seen these in the town squares. We we, we we put them on the, on our on our bulletin boards, like in bars and in cafes. Still and the best way to find an apartment these days. All around town, yeah, that's right. And so, uh, oh yeah, here we are uh, um, coming down. Oh, wow. Yeah. What a view just opened up in front of us as we're yeah, heading down the pretty, stairs. Pretty spectacular view here off of Telegraph Hill. So, yeah, we used the urban environment as a, as a playground. Um, Gary Warren, who's one of the main organizers of the Suicide Club, come up with this idea that uh, that the city is a playground and that everyone's in the game whether they know it or not. I love that. <laughs> and uh, so if you're, man, if, you're playing, if you're playing the game, you have to have certain rules and certain ethics around it. You don't, you know, don't be a dick. Don't uh, <laughs> totally good rule. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if yeah. you're doing a prank, make sure it's a funny prank and it's not sadistic mm-hmm. or you know ugly. And uh, yeah, that was kind of uh, kind of a big part of the uh, you know of the ethic of the group. And uh, yeah. we would use different places for events, including uh, the Telegraph Hill area. Like I said, we uh, Don Heron used it for his uh, detective one of his detective games. It was a pretty elaborate game. And then uh, here we are. We're at Julius Castle right now, which. Uh, it's a castle. As you can see, it's on the northeast slope of uh, Telegraph Hill, right over some pretty extreme cliffs that go straight down. <laughs> and uh, and uh, it was, for the longest time, a wonderful restaurant, and uh, people would come here. It's pretty pretty expensive, you know, so you come here maybe once a year when your folks were in town or when you wanted to really, really, really make a big splash with that girl. Yeah, you're paying for guy. the views. Totally. And, yeah. uh, and uh, we'd come here. So we were here. My friends, uh, Mark and Amy, had their wedding party here, uh, and uh, it's just a fa- it was a fabulous place. It's closed now, yeah. in, in part because of economics. Uh, it, it looks like they've kept it in really good shape. I it think feels they like it will come it. back at some yeah, point. Yeah, it, it, it will come back. Yeah. The problem is, what's happened is uh, this area, um, Telegraph Hill, you know, used to be kind of like more of a working class Italian neighborhood many, 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 many years ago. And in the transition period, you've got a lot of people here who don't live here or who, when they are here, they're super wealthy and they don't like noise. And so they have a lot of power. And How like, dare you have a great yeah. restaurant on my block? <laughs> right. And a, a really a great restaurant. A block, restaurant up from here, a block up from here is a place called The Shadows, which uh, was, it was a bar restaurant. It kind of like bar food, but a really, really nice, elegant place. And they got shut down, I think, because of noise complaints from people that lived around here. So uh, and I used to be a cab 
cab driver in 83, 84, and I would drive people up here all the time, uh-huh. turn around here. So there's a lot of traffic. So I understand why the people who live here might have been a little miffed at it. But you know what? You live in a city, so get the <laughs> hell over it. Like, keep on Lomb- 100%. Can you imagine yeah. buying like a four, $5 million condo on Lombard Street, you know, you know, between Leavenworth and the top of the hill and then complaining about tourists? I mean, <laughs> Let me move to the densest city on the West Coast and complain yeah. about noise. What, is, what a treat yeah. of a thing to happen in front of you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's, it's awesome. I mean, you have to put up with a little bit of noise. I mean, cities are cities, you know. People Absolutely. making noise and making uh, light, and that's part of part of being here. It's the spice of a city is that yeah. noise. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so we're going to head down to Greenwich Stairs. And I guess I told, I guess I mentioned this story a little bit last time uh, I spoke with you boys. But uh, since we're going to actually walk past the location that happened, and we'll, I'll retell it. This is the story of Olin Cobb. And uh, Olin, he was... Uh, Sort of designated by the press as the homesteader, or not the homesteader, the uh, the hermit of Telegraph Hill, mm-hmm. and he didn't like that appellation at all because he didn't he didn't feel like a hermit. He was extremely gregarious. He was not a hermit. <laughs> yeah, he was a dude. He liked company. He liked people. He was very jovial, uh, and but he literally did. He was the homesteader of Telegraph Hill, and he homesteaded here uh, on the Greenwich Stairs, and he found a little sliver of land. He he was a maritime. Uh, sailor, he was a had his captain's papers, uh-huh. and was a legitimate, uh, you know, um, professional. Un- professional, that's right. But he had some odd ideas about uh, naturalism and earthquakes and things like that. And so, he really was uh, enamored of this uh, Telegraph Hill and the, particularly the cliffs on Telegraph Hill. And he found a strip of land in between two surveyed plots of land. One was uh, the Greenwich Street easement, and the other was private land on the bottom side, downside of the hill. Uh, and he found this plot of land that no one owned. It was huh. a little sliver, about maybe 20 feet wide at the widest, and it came down to a point maybe 100 feet away, kind of like a long triangle. Uh-huh. Big slice of pizza. And, yeah, he, there's this old law on the books called adverse possession, where if you find a piece of land that's not owned, if you prescribe it, take it to the county assessor's office, give them a, you know, a, a, a plot plan of it with the dimensions of, this, of the site, and then start paying taxes on it. Mm-hmm. You pay t- and they, they assess it, and then you start mm-hmm. paying taxes on it. You pay taxes on it for five years, and you get a deed to the property. He did that. <laughs> so he owned a sliver of land on Telegraph Hill back at a time when it wasn't probably as rarefied an atmosphere as it is now. But it was, you know, pretty, pretty wealthy people living up here at this time. Mm-hmm. And uh, we found him, uh, uh, Pierre Barral and Henry Petrofita and I were exploring Telegraph Hill. This would have been about 70, late 77, mid 77. And we were a couple blocks over on uh, Lombard on the side of the side of the hill. And we looked over here and we saw there's this big wall down from the base of the uh, of the uh, the very bottom of the hill, a big wall, well, conc- uh, not concrete, like a stone wall, mm-hmm. that was uh, put in here to keep the uh, the you know the hillside from sliding down after they had dynamited it and taken a lot of uh, earth out to do fill because a lot of Telegraph Hill went into fill for mm-hmm. the bay, hmm. and so uh, so we saw this wall. It's about 30 feet high, pretty steep, and we saw some kids on top of it, little I don't know, 10, 12 year old kids. We're like, what they're really doing? We well, we'll get over there. We see what they're doing. And so a couple minutes later, you know, we uh, Started heading over that way, and the kids disappeared. And we got to the wall from the you know the 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 base level, and we climbed up the wall. You know, we're, we're all climbers, and you know it wasn't that bad. But it was a pretty easy pitch. And we climbed up the wall, got on top of it, and there were these trees behind it, and a cliff, and it was right at the foot of this big cliff. And 
behind the wall, there was a drop space that went down below the wall on the backside, and there was a shack built in there, like a nice shack, a really wow. cool spot. And uh, we're like, whoa, check this out. And there's like a like a flagstone walkway, and there's like a bird feeder, and like all this really cool <laughs> shit. And we're, we're kind of like ooing and aahing at this place. This dude walks out of the, uh, it's the shed, the shack. I mean, it's a house, really. And he's wearing like uh, bankers, uh, creased banker's <laughs> pants and a white short sleeve t-shirt, you know, like a crease, you know, really nice and suspenders mm-hmm. and a little mustache. And he goes, and he looks at me, he goes, how y'all boys doing there? Uh, I'm, I'm Olin Cobb and this is the pavilion. <laughs> and I'll never forget him saying that. And he had this like thick Southern accent. Turns out he's from North Carolina. And, uh, and we just, oh, we're just exploring, we're exploring. And so we became friends with him and knew, we, we started bringing him building materials and uh, we knew him for a couple of years. And then Levi Strauss says, I don't want to go into it too much. We, we did it before, but they bought the entire several blocks around there on the base, including the base right below where Olin's property was. Tried to throw him out. Realized, he had realized that he, he owned the property and they couldn't just throw him out. They offered him $2,000 to leave. He scoffed at that. <laughs> he got a lawyer, not a very good lawyer, but he, stayed, he was able to stay in for about another year. And they finally got him on an, uh, uh, retroactive health code violations. Oh, God. And had him kicked out. Olin. Yeah. Olin sounded like a sanitary guy to me, though. I like it. He was totally clean. Yeah, fresh. Yeah, he he liked to cook. Yeah, he liked to cook. He had a he had a full set of really beautiful copper cutlery uh, cookery rather Uh in his in his place. And uh, he there there was a sewer entrance about maybe thirty feet away, and he would use a a bucket and he'd you know go in this go right in the sewer directly in the sewer. And uh, he actually had a mailbox set up on the stairs on the Greenwich (laughs) stairs. Then they delivered mail to him. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what else do you need? Yeah. And that, but but the first time I came up here, I don't know. Um, do we have enough? Are we gonna have enough time to walk all the way around and walk back up the stairs? Got another and, thirty minutes to do it. Oh, okay. Like. Well, let's yeah. do that. We'll walk over that way. So um, yeah, when I when I came here in the seventies, when I joined the Suicide Club a year later in seventy seven, um, after I first got here, the whole area down below us. Now we're about we're about halfway down the hill, heading towards uh, the Flatlands and Levi Plaza. Don't buy Levi's, by the way. They're assholes. <laughs> Um, but uh, but don't buy them new. Buy them used. That's, yeah, yeah. Ever since you told us that, that's I have not I bought a pair of Levi's since yeah, you shared yeah, that I don't story. Buy new. Yeah. Don't buy them new. They did a. I don't want to go into details because it's really depressing. But they did a whole corporate ugly, ugly corporate thing to get him out of there, and to not you know not give him anything. But anyway, uh, the whole area down below us was uh, warehouses and old factories. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And at the time that I came here, they're mostly abandoned or partially abandoned. And uh, so it was kind of a, an odd place, and we used it. The Suicide Club, we would do a lot of events in abandoned buildings and a lot of, uh, uh, like, games and whatnot. And so, you know, several of the buildings down here were, uh, you know, in transition period, and we used them for chase games or, you know, uh, readings and that sort of thing. And uh, I don't know. Um, it's Telegraph Hill. It's a beautiful spot. We just walked by some, um, uh, like, a beekeepers, like a bee box. Mm-hmm. A hive just a moment ago. Uh, it's sort of, so sort of the diversity of the place that we're in is we see all sorts of beautiful flowers and plants and trees and spots for dogs. This seems like a very welcoming and healthy environment for all sorts of life. It is. Uh, this area, Telegraph Hill, Greenwich Stairs and uh, Napier Lane and the uh, Filbert Stairs are incredibly beautiful. And there are a handful of people who live up here. Uh, and I don't, I don't know any of them in, uh, in, anymore. I did know a couple in the past, but who do maintain the gardens. And that whole, that whole thing started long time ago uh, with a, a person named uh, Grace Marchant. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I first started hiking around in here, I would occasionally run into her in her little teeny apartment. Um, 
which was like a ground floor apartment in one of the houses on uh, on uh, Filbert Stair. Mm-hmm. And she at that time she had to be in her 80s, and she'd be out like gardening and fiddling around. And uh, what a life! And I talked to her a couple of times. I stopped and talked to her. She was very friendly, very open. And I was like, like a lot of people who moved to San Francisco, right? I was like, what was I was 20 at the time, 1920, and. Uh, and like a lot of people who move here, initially they're just so enamored of San Francisco, right? I mean, I don't know. You guys are. Did you guys grow up here? Or? No, but we're pretty enamored with I grew it. Up in the, I grew up in the North Bay. Okay, all right. And so growing up in the North Bay, did you was coming to the city like a big deal for oh, you when you were a teen? Third grade field trip. It was Christmas Eve as a kid when I was going up for a number of years. It was uh, it was the event that we did on a recurring but not frequent basis. Cool. Did you go to the uh, did you go to the um, little carnival on top of the Emporium with your family ever? <laughs> no, but it sound, sounds like I missed out. <laughs> oh, did you, oh, you're probably too young for that. Um, but uh, do you know about that? I don't. No. What are you referring to? Yeah. Well, the Emporium was, uh, along with Macy's, one of the two big department stores in San Francisco downtown. The Emporium was on Market. Schwartz back in the day downtown. Yeah, yeah. That's no, the Emporium was uh, where Westfield Center is now. Ah. And uh, that dome in Westfield Center was the dome, the top yeah. of the Emporium. And the Emporium was an old school department store like Gimbel's or Macy's or, uh, you Gumps. know, whatever. Yeah, Gumps. And, uh, but, 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 but bigger, uh, like a Macy's level. And uh, and so um, at Christmas time they had an entire carnival that set up on the rooftop. It was a huge rooftop. Ooh. It wasn't a giant carnival, but they had they did have a like a Ferris wheel, small one, and mm-hmm. uh, a bunch of other rides. And it was a big deal for kids to come here, yeah, you know, at Christmas time, usually from the burbs, mm-hmm. you know, but not always. Kind of came in from the neighborhoods and uh, go to the Christmas carnival up on the roof of the Emporium. It was a big deal. Bring it back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I worked there briefly, um, 70, uh, 76. I worked at Macy's in the watch and jewelry repair department. It was one of the first, like, real job I got in San Francisco. I mean, I had weird little gigs, like uh, sweeping the floor and doing the dishes at a youth hostel and stuff like that first. But the first real job I got was uh, working at the watch and jewelry repair counter at Macy's department store. And uh, and they had uh, the company I worked for, Time Services, had a reciprocal deal with the Emporium for their watching jewelry. So I, so I worked, I was there a few times, you know, yeah, kind of pinch yeah. hit or when somebody was sick or whatever, <laughs> overtime. And uh, that was pretty cool, working in department stores at that time when department stores were a thing. People would get dressed up to go shopping. Totally. You know, this is, that's how, that's how old I am. <laughs> so I mean, now everybody, like, people, doesn't matter if they're rich or poor or whatever, they all dress kind of like slobs, myself included, sometimes. <laughs> I think all three but, of us are in good company this morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think our, our tuxedos, the three of us, look great. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yes, thank yeah, you. Mine's a little wrinkled. That's why I was complaining. <laughs> so uh, we're going to get huffy and puffy here because we're going to go up these giant stairs. We're now facing uh, the stairs on Filbert Stairs. Mm-hmm. And... These Filbert stairs, what a, what a quick vertical rise as we're about to go up maybe five, six flights of stairs in rapid succe- succession, but only move forward about 30 or 40 feet. That's right, maybe 50 feet at the most. It's quite a steep incline. Um, and at the top of it is that, the house and the little ground floor flat that Grace Martin used to live in. Anyway, I, her story is interesting because she lived here when it was an Italian neighborhood, kind of, uh-huh. kind of a working class Italian neighborhood. Yeah. Um, this is well before my time, you know, people hanging their laundry out to dry. And Bring also there's this whole area, this whole street easement, which if you look at it here, it's like it's street wide, but it's a, it's a cliff, right? Totally. I but see a, that now. It's a straight street easement all the way up. So it's all city property. And people would just throw their garbage out in the middle of it. And it was filled with garbage, like literally. <laughs> huh. 
Yeah, and it's she, a little greener these days. Well, she started cleaning it up, cleaning it up when she's probably, I don't know, probably in her 50s, I think she started, late 40s is the story. And uh, she, her neighbors started feeling guilty, probably started helping her. And then she made it into a thing and she started gardening and it just became a thing. A lot of her neighbors, neighbors started helping her garden it. And, uh, hey there. Hey, good morning. Now you got to bring the trash down. Yeah, you're yeah. bringing the trash down. Nice. Right on. <laughs> Thanks for not throwing it over the edge. Yeah, like they did 60 years ago. This used to be a garbage-filled uh, uh, street easement. Well, probably 70 years ago. But again, now more vibrant. We've got plants growing. We've got lots of ivy crawling up the side of the hillside. Yeah, it's one of the m most beautiful places in the city. Definitely. Especially yeah, after a good fog like, last, like yesterday. Yeah, it's where you would bring a date for a hike after... Uh, or a walk after, you know, having dinner in North Beach, that kind of thing. Ah. So, dead air while I breathe here. Yeah, well, you can take a, take a breather if you'd like. Yeah, we'll get, maybe here's the platform. Yeah, let's do the next one. Yeah. I like somebody's numbered these stairs, by the way, as we just climbed the 95th stair. Right. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Well, we made it now. How do you like that view? Yeah. Bay Bridge. Beautiful, right across the bay, Here looking Point towards Island. Oakland. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there's another great stairway in uh, Whitby, England, that I hung out on with my English girlfriend, Jill Mead, back in the 80s. And Whitby is a little teeny sailing town. It's also the town where Dracula's ship landed in the novel. <laughs> and there's a stairway there, 199 stairs, up from, ooh, the, ooh. Up from the bottom by the, by the port, up to the hill above. Uh, the, you know, the, the bluff above where they had uh, the old abbey, the old destroyed abbey. Another kind of insane stairway. So, uh, I like a good stairway street. I think it allows for people that live on the stairway to take some ownership over their area yeah. to make it beautiful. I think of the Vulcan Street stairs in San Francisco. Oh, yeah. yeah. Or even so many of the small touches around here where people have made their own handmade mosaics and signs to indicate which way to walk. Yeah. And it just shows what a street could become, right? Like, Absolutely. There's yeah. no reason only our vertical streets should look like gardens. <laughs> well, what it requires is, a, is an investment of people who live here. Yeah. Yes, definitely. And to get that, you want to have people who live here who are the kind of people who would invest in that sort of thing rather than people who live in their, you know, four or five million dollar condo two months or maybe two weeks out of the year in between their, you know, chalet and uh, Zurich and, you know. So, so that's the problem. I mean, and once again, it's one of the reasons why San Francisco seems to be undergoing a bit of an underground artistic renaissance right now, which maybe people don't see. Like in the 70s when I came here, everybody thought San Francisco was, in the, was totally in the toilet. Uh, the economy was destroyed. Uh, we were in the middle of... Uh, you know, uh, uh, the Arab oil embargo and huge recession. And it was actually the best time for underground arts in San Francisco because mm -hmm. things, prices dropped, people could afford to live here a little bit better. Um, a lot of people ended up here because they hadn't left their, you know, wherever they were before because things were kind of crappy there. Yeah. And it was absolutely the best time. So right now, prices have dropped enough that starting about a year, year and a half ago, where I started noticing little galleries opening up, starting in the Tenderloin, where the mm -hmm. property value is least, and also it's the biggest risk. And uh, a lot of quote-unquote pop-ups where the landlords have finally gotten squeezed so much, the ones who you know aren't rich enough to just use an abandoned space as a tax write-off, the ones who actually have to rent it out. Yeah. And they started doing quote-unquote pop-ups for like a little bit, hoping that the uh, economy would come back around in there property values would you know go back up again to where they could charge you know exorbitant rates for and they can't do it so what happens is they end up eventually working out a lease deal with whatever the tenant is and usually it's way more reasonable amount a lot of places are open because it doesn't take much pressure off before artists who are really wily and uh 
you know, and, and smart can figure out a way to uh, make their thing happen. And San Francisco is still a place people want to come to. I mean, I'm sorry, you know, the rest of the world, I mean, creatively speaking, a lot of friends moved to Las Vegas during the, to, during the downturn, and Vegas is, you know, it's like 120 degrees there, and it's... <laughs> It's Vegas. Do they have staircase streets uh, like this? Maybe not. Morning. Yeah. uh, No, there's no hills there. (laughs) So despite the fact that it's really expensive here, people will go way out of their way to figure out a way to make it work here. Mm -hmm. And they're still doing that. And just a little bit of pressure off, which is what we got right now, is enough for a lot of people to go, hey, maybe San Francisco. I like like that illustration. You're right. Just sort of releasing the valve a little bit. We see that with some of the vacant to vibrant, uh, some of the pop-ups that are downtown now. We're like, we'll help you get a head start. Absolutely. Just alleviate some of that 90-day pressure to get Uh you going, to get some momentum. Yeah. Um, It feels like, like you're mentioning that renaissance is happening again. Absolutely. Uh, I can't, some stuff I can't talk about in the underground that's happening perfect. right now. But, uh, you know, you read the police blotters in a couple of years. And, uh, <laughs> You're not going to give us any hints on the right? There's only half of San Francisco that's listening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you know, yeah, I'm still really involved in urban exploration, which is underground, literally and figuratively. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's, a, there's a whole renaissance in that. I can't really talk about it much. There's several groups. I have a lot of groups that are popping in there. They're, they're, they're morphing and splitting like Paramecium into other groups. And I can see it feels a lot like the like the 70s when that happened. So you're seeing the same kind of trends and desires and um, uh, communities kind of forming just in Absolutely. a 2024 context? Absolutely. A lot, of, a lot of communities forming, a lot of that sort of thing happening. And, uh, and uh, it's really great to see that because uh, it's what San Francisco was about for me when I moved. I just figured when I moved here, you know, because uh, I was, uh, what was I, 17 when I first moved here and then 19 when I joined the Suicide Club. I just figured that cities were like always like full of abandoned buildings and like really dangerous people chasing you on the street and that sort of thing. I just figured that was normal, right? I had no idea that it was a cycle that we were going through. Mm-hmm. Uh, New York City, we did a lot of stuff in New York City in uh, 70, 78. I was there for four months and then went back three or four times with the Suicide Club to climb bridges and explore tunnels. Yeah. And <laughs> I mean, San Francisco was too, but New York City was uh hey morning new york city was uh it was like mad max literally it was in i mean i got chased i don't know how many times i got chased by people on the street like and i'm not making this up uh, my buddy jason got a sick uh, job for a month or two at the new york times right off of times square doing telephone mm-hmm. surveys mm-hmm. and we come out at like 9 30 at night in times square and it was like the it was like the bar scene in star wars i mean it was just <laughs> fucking nuts it was literally a zoo and super dangerous and you had to really be paying attention you're uh what, what do they call it your uh uh um visibility around yourself uh, keep your head a, on a swivel yeah, yeah keep yeah you had to keep you had to keep your eyes open eyes in the back of your head but it was fun and i was yeah, like 20 year old kid i could run really fast so i'm like hey this is great <laughs> but i just thought that's what cities are like right and then we got this whole whole iteration of changes and i, I remember going to being in Tompkins square park in new york after not having been there for about 10 years and they were like like cute little couples with babies and like parasols and stuff. And I'm like, my God, they would have been murdered, yeah. you know, like 20 <laughs> years ago, 15 years ago. I mean, Tompkins Square Park, you could smell it from five blocks away if you were downwind from it. I'm not making it up. And San Francisco was really rough too. You couldn't have stuff on the street. I mean, in the seventies, if you had like a planner or something, you'd get trashed immediately. Yeah. Bicycle, get trashed immediately. Anything on the street was, was free. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also dogs poop. That's the other thing people have forgotten about. Saying that uh, Harvey Milk was super famous for at the time was uh, an ordinance for, 
were uh, against people letting their dogs poop on the sidewalk. Harvey's the one who started that, by the way. It was one of his minor, minor accomplishments. We'll but name an airport after him. I love it. <laughs> yeah, or at least a wing for Christ's sake. Yeah, wing. There, there we go. go. Yeah, there but uh, Harvey. Yeah, he, we 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 ran into Harvey in the in the uh, suicide club one time, or at least at least I remember it one time. It's kind of an embarrassing story. Please tell he, us. He was kind of he was kind of. <laughs> we also ran into Mayor Moscone, both of them shortly before they were they were horrifyingly murdered. Um, in, a, in a kinder, gentler period of time, but yeah, we were we were distributing community university catalogs, which was these free school that the Suicide Club came out of, and we were there were about twenty of us, and we we're all wearing goofy costumes, and we're on Hate Street, and we're walking through Hate Street, and Harvey had just been elected, and he was super famous locally, was well, not famous nationally at all, super famous locally, and uh, and uh, we're walking down the street, and I remember my friend Louise was dressed up as uh, this crazy, like super cute clown, really, really, really cute clown. <laughs> She's a really tall gal, like about six foot tall, and she and we saw Harvey Milk walking down the street, and she. Tried Tried to hand him one of the uh, one of the uh, flyers, uh, you know the the class catalogs, and he just he New Yorker. He walked right by her and didn't say anything. And I was like, I said, hey man, don't be an asshole. And then like he gets bumped off like a month later, and I felt so fucking so <laughs> so guilty. I felt so terrible. You know, it's like maybe he didn't see her. Maybe she was a girl. I mean, who knows, right? Yeah, he's got to think but about clowns. My inst- yeah, my instant reaction was, hey, man, come on, don't be a dick. <laughs> and then Moscone, we ran into him in the uh, in the lobby of the Fairmont Hotel, and uh, he it was like it was like late at night. My friend uh, Jason and I were there. We, we had picked a friend up at the airport, dropped her off there. She was staying at the hotel. She was a reporter for the Commodities Exchange, and they were and they were putting her up in the hotel, which is why. So we drove. We picked her up at the airport in this funky old Rambler, like beat up, crappy. Rambler, and we were dressed up as gangsters because we've been doing a gangster event earlier. Naturally, yeah. So her name was Gilda. So we pick her up at the J- Jason. He was from New York originally. So we pick her up uh, at the uh, at the airport, drive over, park right in the front parking lot of the you know that tiny little parking lot, mm-hmm. you know, in this crappy old car, and we're dressed up like gangsters. And we, we walk her into the lobby, and uh, you know the uh, concierge and then uh, you know the bellhop take, take uh, you know bellman take take her up to the. Uh, uh, to the room, and we're, we're just hanging out in the lobby, and there's no one there. It's like 11 o'clock at night, no one there. And we look across the, across the space, and we see, uh, we see uh, this tall dude in a nice suit. He looks like a movie star, right? And Jason mm-hmm. goes, hey, that's the mayor. That's the mayor. Let's go. Let's go talk to him. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm like, no. He's like, yeah, let's go talk to him. And so we walk over. Hey, Mr. Mayor, how you doing? Yeah, Vito Latonian. Nice to see you. And he looks at us, right? And he's like a full head taller. And we're not small guys, right? And we're, he's a full head taller. And he looks down at us. Big, big politician smiling goes, are you boys voters in San Francisco? <laughs> and we said, yeah, that's right, Mr. Mayor, we vote here. He talked to us for about five or ten minutes, two lunatics in the lobby of a hotel. Cool. So what a funny, you know, what a great guy, right? <laughs> Did he get your vote after that, I think is the question. He would have. Yeah. Yeah, he would have. But unfortunately, um, you know, I mean, yeah, Die Fi became the mayor. That's right. After that, yeah. Uh, you've seen the city through so many transitions, right? The abandoned buildings, revival, death. Like, what keeps you here? What keeps me here? I almost moved several times um, in the in the uh, in the uh, ten, you know, like ten years. You know, like starting about 2009, my small business got wiped out. I almost lost it. Very close to losing because we were in this horrible. And then the prices kept going up and. Uh, I would, and I would have moved. And the only thing that kept me here for that period of time was money. I, I couldn't. It's like I know everybody here. I know a lot of people here. I had connections here. I, I had a small business, which didn't. I didn't lose. I almost lost. 
and uh, contact for other work and, you know, creative stuff. But like New York City, I know a million people in New York City. I could move there and instantly be doing stuff. I have. I go there every year, a couple times a year to do events and hang out with friends there. But So I wanted to move to New York for a while, and I didn't, and it was finances that kept me here. And I'm glad now. Now that, things, now that I see things coming back around, because it's like my 45 years of doing stuff here, you know, I'm never, ever, ever the old guy telling people what to do or like, hey, you should do it this way. We used to do it that way. You know, I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. so annoying when people do that my age. It's like, just hit them in the face with a pie. Yeah. You know, pompous <laughs> old guys need to be deflated, right? But I do know a couple of things. And if I'm working at, with younger people on events, like, I mean, usually I try to stay really chill and in the background help out a little bit and maybe a little tweak here, a little tweak there. I don't know what they're doing. You know, they know more than I do. I learned from them. I learned from them, literally. And it's like, there's no new, there's nothing new under the sun. Everything that we did in the 70s and 80s, somebody had done it before. Mm-hmm. Somebody had done it before. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Burning Man, we didn't invent fire. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I know that a lot of people still run out of it and think they did, but, you know, they did not. <laughs> we did not invent fire. We didn't invent sneaking into old buildings, right? I mean, yeah. you know, uh, people in the second Egyptian dynasty snuck into abandoned temples from the first Egyptian dynasty 5,000, 6,000 years ago, right? Didn't invent any of that shit, but we put our own mark on it. Yeah. And it's just like now, the kids doing it now, they're, they'll, they might do kind of the same thing, but they'll do it entirely differently than we did. And it's like, I learned it when I was 25. It's like people would people would ask me stuff like, "Hey, I got this great idea. What about playing glow in the dark golf like on the golf course at night with glow in the dark golf balls?" And I'm like, "Yeah, we did that five years ago." <laughs> I stopped doing that when I was 25 because yeah. I realized it was a kill. It was a buzz kill. It was like yeah. they, then they get all deflated. Like, ah, sorry. So I just it was somebody say, "Hey, you know, we should, you know, we should like, uh, you know, like uh, play hide and seek, you know, on the on the UC campus at night, or we should like go sneak into this like really cool building down by the railroad tracks." I'm like, "Wow, what a great idea!" Yeah, that's awesome. Let's do it. You know, and then I just shut up and go and hang out and see what happens. And it's really cool. Usually it's way different than I would have done it. And the kids now are way smarter than we are. The tools that they're using right now, I mean, we were using like, you know, bongo drums for communication, you know, like smoke signals and shit like that. They've got computers, right? Yeah. And, uh, and back in, in the 70s, right, if you ran into one really interesting person who was game to do anything, like a real weirdo, right, it was rare. Mm-hmm. You, know, you grabbed them, and they were there. They, it was like they found their family, right? Now, yeah. Yeah. you can go online, and you can, you know, if you're in, interested in some really obscure topic, you'll find hundred, at least 150 people in the, around the world in the most obscure topic you can think of, mm-hmm. your instant community. And that's really good. It's taking that instant online community and uh, transposing it into literal community. Yeah. And the people who do that, it's just, it's, you, you, you save a lot of time. And you save a lot, going through a lot of bullshit to get there. Yeah. That's why with the Cacophony Society, which is kind of the later, kinder, gentler suicide club that we started in 86 and went through, you know, it lasted a long time, 15 to 20 years. It was kind of kinder and gentler. I mean, it's like we would have maybe 10 people show up if we had a, had a meeting, and out of those 10 people, only one would stay because they'd all go on. They'd go to the meeting. We talk about doing stuff, and then they'd come out and they end up in a sewer, right? And most people who wanted to come to some hip, cool thing, right? They're like, "Fuck this! I'm out of here." <laughs> and then the one person would go, "Wow, this is great! This is the best thing ever!" And then there, I still know that person. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. that's kind of how it worked. You know, people were self-selecting that way. You, you find the kindred spirits. You find the kindred spirits. Yeah. You hold on to them. You meet them. You say, "All right, you, me, let's hang yeah. out." Yeah. Yeah. It's like like Chuck Palahniuk, who was a, a Portland Cacophony member um, a long time before he became famous for writing Fight Club. You know. He, he wrote the introduction for our, our book on the Cacophony Society, the book that Kerry Galbraith and Kevin Evans and I wrote. Mm-hmm. And in his introduction, he, he described how people in, that, in the Cacophony group were just pretty normal, average people, who had de- most of whom had day jobs, normal jobs. But in the night and the afternoon, uh, the, uh, you know, the uh, uh, weekends, they would come together and create their own reality yeah. in, a, in a way. And that's really what it was like. So. What a beautiful thing. 
Uh, we should keep walking, but oh, I want to yeah. say as we're walking, uh, here, a, pl I, here, here, a plug go. for your book I'll because you for sure. the Cacophony Society book is really fantastic. Absolutely. Thank you. It's yeah, a must um, own if you live here in San Francisco. A great gift for others. It's visually, it's visually and intellectually stimulating. Thank you very much. Yeah, and it's in its second printing, a paperback printing. It's oh. printed by uh, Last Gasp, uh, uh, which is a San Francisco-based uh, world-renowned publisher uh, known for publishing Art Spiegelman and Robert Crumb and uh, a whole variety of, uh, of uh, art books, uh, cocktail art. But I just want to point this right here, this deck, this was Grace Martin's apartment right here, oh. 22 and a half uh, Filbert. You think that person working on the computer in there has been gardening out here recently? I don't know, maybe. I would hope so. I don't I, know. I believe so. I don't know. But yeah, this was Grace Martin's, uh, this was her place. And I talked to her right there at that gate a couple of times. <laughs> so what were we talking about there, senior moment here? Second publication. Oh, right, yeah, uh, Last Gas Publisher. So the name of the book is uh, Tales of the San Francisco Cacophony Society. My co-authors, Kevin Evans and Carrie Galbraith. Carrie did the book design. It's uh, 320 pages, beautiful, full-colored mm -hmm. book. And uh, you want to walk down yeah, Napier right. Lane? Yeah, so this is a, it was, we're walking on a wooden you know, uh, a flooring here down this incredibly beautiful narrow alleyway between houses on the side of a cliff in San Francisco. One of the most beautiful spots in probably the world, really. I would agree. Mm -hmm. You know, um, World for now, you know, you see people coming from all over. Is this big ferry, is a big ship is bringing in tourists from around the world right yeah. now, landing at the edge of the continent. Yeah, and not to complain, but probably nine out of 10 of these apartments are only people who come here two weeks out of the year. They're lost. This is great. I've lived in these apartments yeah. seven days a week and twice yeah. on I'm Sunday. Sure there, there are some people <laughs> who are probably still here, living here full time, but at the end of the lane right here. Um, yeah. Hey, you guys have any, any specific questions? Anything you wanted to go on? Go uh, I mean, a thing that we wanted to touch on, I feel like you have, which is why should people, a quote that you said to us many years ago was that there's never been a better time for a young person to move to an urban environment. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that's stuck with me over the years. And I'm mm -hmm. curious, do you still think that's true? And how do you see uh, uh, people moving now. into this? Yeah. I think it's even better now because, so like I said, San Francisco, is, it's definitely in uh, the beginning throes of a, you know, like an underground uprising. <laughs> There's a lot of good stuff going on and a lot of small groups turning into larger groups and splitting off. And so, yeah, I'd, I'd say it's a great time to move to a city. And kids, you know, the average time that a young person who moves to San Francisco is here for, good morning. in my estimation, over the last, uh, over the last uh, 45 years, 50 years, has been maybe three to five years. <laughs> so a kid will move here, you know, right out of college, or maybe they'll go to school in the, in the area and they'll stay here in San Francisco for three to five years and they get intensely involved in whatever they're doing. Mm -hmm. And if it's underground you know, uh, events, they, they do that really hard for a while. And then you know, five, six years later, they, they move on. So uh, one out of, you know, I don't know, 20 of them stay, maybe for longer. One out of, and, uh, but yeah, San Francisco, New York, um, Chicago to some degree, New Orleans got kind of wiped out, but still, for musicians, New, New, Orleans, New Orleans is quite a town. There's still a bunch. Of good. New Orleans loves New Orleans in a way that very few cities love themselves. That's right. I think it's a very beautiful thing. Yeah, that's right. San Francisco kind of has that, but it lost it a little bit because of the because of being wiped out by money. You know, New Orleans was wiped out by a hurricane. San Francisco was wiped out by money. Mm. And it didn't kill us, but it hurt pretty bad. Yeah. But you seem to think it's coming back pretty yeah, strongly. I do. Uh, what are some of the things that you can talk about that you're excited to see? Uh, our friend 
Valerie uh, likes to call these, you're talking about art galleries, she likes to call them clubhouses. Yeah. She sees lots of clubhouses popping up everywhere. Yes, that's right. Yeah, that, that's a great way to put it. Um, well, like I say, there are a lot of like sketch corners in the Tenderloin that now have galleries, new galleries, yeah. a new show. People rent a, like they used to. They would just rent a, 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 store, a, a storefront and start doing weird events out of it, you know? Start their own cult. You know, we did that with Burning Man. Yeah. <laughs> just have some fun with it. You try something. Just, uh, yeah, enjoy. Yeah, yeah. So uh, there's a lot of that. Um, urban exploration, like I said, we didn't invent that. It's pretty strong. San Francisco and in uh, and in other other cities and actually it's an international network of people and they don't put 99% of their stuff online. Um, Great. The stuff they do put online, it, some, sometimes kids will have Instagram pages, but they don't have any geotags and no location. So they have these beautiful photos. And you're like, where in the hell is that? I have no idea. <laughs> is it in Ukraine? Is it in Thailand? Is it in uh, you know Norway? I mean, you said, is it in Chicago? I mean, a lot of times you don't know. But, uh, and that's pretty cool. But I've uh, seen some videos of people that have climbed things like Salesforce Tower here around San Francisco and taken these epic shots of themselves doing a thing that is rare, challenging, and beautiful all absolutely. at the same time. Absolutely, and it's an indicator of the fact that, uh, you know, we're in this like, deep security state and there's cameras watching us all over the place. They're not. The cameras don't work. <laughs> yeah, okay. agreed. 99% of the time, nobody's watching right. the, the screens. They're just not watching them. Or, uh, or um, you know, there's just, there's just not, you know, or they don't work, or they're mm -hmm. like they're they're fake, they're fake. Uh, uh, Similar you know, to like how an owl would try to scare away uh, some birds. Morning. Hello, good morning. morning. Uh, we've got about a minute and a half left. For a long time? Not a long time. Oh, okay. No. Beautiful neighborhood, though. Yeah, you like it? Yeah. 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 I spent the winter here. Okay. Yeah. Oh, very so, good. Yeah. 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 The first time from I came Utah. here. Oh, from Utah. Yeah. So you're used to hills. Well, yeah. Used to hills. <laughs> I do it every day. Oh yeah, yeah. Excellent. Yeah, I'm, I walk up and down these stairs. Yeah, I live over on uh, over on the other hill, okay. on Russian Hill. Uh, now I go down forth. to Chinatown shopping. Very good. For, you know, for dinner every day. Yeah, yeah. The first time I came here, I was telling these boys. The first time I came here in 1976, there was a woman, um, probably very similar to you actually. She looked, looked like named Grace Martin, who lived in a little flat right down yeah. here, and I, I knew her a little bit. And she was the woman who started landscaping this block right here. Like back in the 50s, yeah. yeah. Grace, Grace Marchant. Yeah, look, look her up. The friend I stay here with yeah. is from here. Okay. Born Excellent. and raised here. Oh, cool, yeah. So it's, he knows Ask everything. him about Grace Marchant. Martin? Grace Marchant. Like merchant. Oh, merchant. Yeah, yes. merchant. Yeah, I tried to. Grace Marchant. Okay, yeah. he knows. Just yeah, I'm sure we got about yeah, 20 seconds left in the show. Where, yeah. He knows yeah. the movies where yeah. made, right. and he knows everything. Well, that's very cool. Well, thank you so much for talking yeah. to us. All right. Thank you. Well, John, see, we'll there give you go. the last San word Francisco. for San Franciscans We're at the everywhere. very end. Oh, well, I got to go play left. some music, right? Um, put, on no, some put on some Brian Jones Sound Massacre, man. Like uh, uh, His Girl Suicide. That's a great one. Or maybe Gone to Hell. Those are, I mean, they're, they're, they're actually pretty cheerful songs, despite their titles. Thank you, John. <laughs>